Welcome to Sereno. You have been invited here because you are the best bounty hunters in the galaxy. Kira Swan, two-time winner of the Obsidian Sphere. Daron, known simply as the Exterminator. Sixtat, the Outland's Butcher. Embo, your bounty tallies were second only to one last season. Cad Bane, who needs no introduction. Rako Hardeen, the Marksman of Concord Dawn. Jacoli, known for never bringing anyone back alive. Onka, you and your brother have been a legendary team. This challenge may prove difficult for you alone. Twazi, your acrobatics once earned you praise from Chancellor Valorum. Sinrich, inventor of the holographic disguise matrix. And finally, Mantu. Your people were once a peaceful race. How far they have fallen. In a few moments, all eleven of you will enter what we call the box. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones in this episode! Undercover Obi-Wan along with Cad Bane and some of the galaxy's best bounty hunters are put through Marolo Eval's deadly test environment. The secret Jedi excels, finally winning the respect of Cad Bane, but Dooku was unimpressed when Undercover Obi-Wan refuses to kill! Hey Chips, it's your old buddy Bucho, a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me on the dropship, he's on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the Dooku to my Moralo Ival. It's your Justy Bell Robbie. Hello, everyone. And we are going to talk about the 83rd episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by Brent Friedman and directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. It's season 4, episode 17, The Box. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about The Box before you rewatched it again this week? For example,. Did you remember that this was another trial episode along the lines of the season three episode of Monster? A little bit. I mean, this is one of those that uh, it just sticks in your brain. In fact, this whole arc, this is the most memorable thing in the arc. In fact, what's kind of weird is that I didn't realize until about halfway through this that, hey, this is the third episode in this arc and we still got one more to go. For some reason, I thought this was a three episode arc. I can't remember how many four episode arcs we have but this is only the second one we've had so far but for me it was uh you know i mean gosh this is it's so i almost want to say iconic it's not iconic but it's it's one of those things where it just sticks in your head for some reason and i guess it's just because i I like seeing the way that obi-wan is trying to survive but he's also trying to do it in a way that's not at his full potential which is a lot of fun to see yeah, and I think one of the other reasons this will stay in my mind and one of the reasons it might be generally memorable is that the box itself is such a distinctive environment. It's so different from any other environment that we've come up against in the show so far, except maybe Clone Cadets, which, you know, in its own way is a an artificial testing environment. And that, you know, environment is stuck in my head. So I'm sure this one will too. And like you say, over and over and over, Obi-Wan saves the hides of the others in this episode, including Cad Bane, who had been hating on him all this time. And then finally, we get to a moment where with a blast of triumph from Kevin Kiner's score, 
It's Cad Bane who saves Obi-Wan slash Rocco. And that was an oddly rousing moment for me. I felt like, hey, sweet, they're friends now. And then you're, you know, just for a second. <laughs> and then, of course, you remember, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Not supposed to be friends. But it was just a, a surprisingly effective moment. I don't know. Did you feel the same thing? Well, yeah. And, but it, like you said, it's almost immediately taken away when he goes, you know, if, yeah, if you're going to kill a man. You're, if you're going to kill someone, do it like a man or whatever he says. I can't remember exactly how he says it, but I almost feel like that was Cad Bane trying to look tough. You know what I mean? I almost feel like there is a, a kinship there that he feels with Obi-Wan slash Hardeen. You know what I mean? Yeah, there is a sense that Cad Bane is putting on a little bit of an act sometimes. I mean, I don't want to keep going back to it, but, you know, he's playing with cool all the time. And then we get a scene like... When he gets blown up by those fans, all the way back in Alakron yeah. Heist where, you know, the facade slips and all of a sudden he's a flailing, you know, kind of helpless. And Cad Bane has been fun enough in the previous two episodes, but the way they've had him constantly kind of acting as a servant to Morello Ival and asking for his money, but then not getting paid, you know, he keeps getting rebuffed. And it's made him seem like less of a boss than he used to, particularly in that hostage crisis arc when he busted out Zero, when he just seemed like the boss. And I don't know. I mean, I can't see Aura Singh letting herself be strung along like Cad Bane has <laughs> been for what seems like far too long, Robbie. I don't know. But here, when Cad Bane murders that poor Ithorian for his hat, all of a sudden, he seems like a boss again in that moment. How did you like that moment where Cad Bane murders a man for his hat? For a second there, I thought, oh, it's his hat. Yeah. And somehow he stole his hat. Then you realize that it's... He definitely, he definitely has a preferred style of hat, right? Well, yeah. And I don't know. I, I actually felt... I guess it was just the way it was framed. It looked kind of sad. Yeah, it was sad. When the other one looks down like, huh, <laughs> you know? And you find out it was the other guy's brother. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a cool moment, though. I mean, it shows the... I guess the ruthlessness of, of bounty hunters and, and who better to display that than Cad Bane. I mean, he's definitely, I guess, the most fearsome of all of all of the other bounty hunters there. Sure. So, yeah, it was cool to see. Well, speaking of all the other bounty hunters there, Robbie, we get to meet a whole bunch of them and they all have their various... I mean, there's a scene where, where Dooku introduces all of them one by one with their various exploits and the things that have built their reputation and one of them... I mean, let me put it this way. Which one of these bounty hunters, aside from Cad Bane and Embo, is your favorite, Robbie? Because I know you love Embo. So aside from Embo and Cad Bane, who's your favorite? That's tough because to me, the rest of them sort of feel a little disposable. But I like the, uh, I can't remember his name now. You had to ask Is it Daron? The one with the tentacles and the mushroom head? Yeah. Yeah. He's a Pawan and he's from the planet Pawa. My extensive research has found. Yeah, and I, uh, while the episode was playing, I felt like it was an almost direct response to our conversation about them being, <laughs> you know, so uh, human-based, right. you know, physiology. So it was kind of funny. But no, I mean, I mean that was definitely an interesting one. And then uh, the other one that, that kind of stuck out to me for some reason was uh, Kiera Swan. Okay. Because it was kind of like... I don't know, like a direct Pirates of the Caribbean thing, you know? Sure, yeah. So it was kind of an interesting one. But, I mean, all of them sort of... I mean, they're kind of interesting, but you don't really get too attached to them, you know, honestly. Yeah, and they all kind of pale next to Daron or Daron. I don't know if his... I mean, his name is said by Dooku at one point, but I guess I should have taken a note on pronunciation. But, you know, he has those three eyes. That's a good start. And he has that mushroom head. He's got a mushroom head, Robbie. And he has tentacles, and he can kind of float around. And so... 
you know, apart from our favorite Simbo and Cad Bane, he's the one that really stands out. So, yeah, he was my other favorite. And maybe we can also decide which was our favorite level of this challenge, Robbie. There were three separate challenges. Which was your favorite of the three separate levels? Mine was the the ones with the jutting platforms. That was the second level, yep. Yeah. That's where it gets terrifying. It almost reminded me of a video game. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that's kind of the point. I mean, this is almost like these are tests, these are trials, so it's it kind of feels that way. But yeah, that one was really fun. At first, they're apparently random. Of course, Obi-Wan works out the pattern, but these seemingly random yellow laser swords on extending wall panels, and as if being stabbed wouldn't be bad enough, these things waggle back and forth once they're fully extended. <laughs> so if you get stabbed, they really make a nice mess of things. And I also thought, I mean, you mentioned how that second level was like a video game. I also thought the sniper level was particularly well-conceived, where each hit there almost has a similar sort of satisfaction as you get when you're successfully hitting something while playing a video game. I mean, yeah. technically... I guess it was a simulation. You're not really shooting and destroying something, but it has that thing where the square lights up. And, you know, in fact, both of those last two levels could feel like something out of a video game. And I guess if they were going to make a video game spinoff of the Clone Wars, they would have to have a level or, you know, a a section of the game that was based on the box, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And maybe if they did, I mean, I should ask you really, they didn't make a video game based on the Clone Wars, did they? Uh, not, no. No, they didn't. Well, I wonder if the soundtrack would have any of Kevin Kynan's music on it. And if it did, I mean, we'll go back to the recent Friends in Need episode when R2 turned up with his robot buddies uh, to the rescue. And we had this dramatic, operatic, choir chant type deal from Kevin Kynan. And here, when Obi-Wan gets the upper hand on Moralo Evel, we get it again. I remember you didn't actually pick up on it in the Friends in Need episode. Did you pick up on it in this one, Robbie? You know, the chanting choir, Jewel of Fates type deal? Yeah, and I feel like I didn't actually note this down, but it was one of those things where I felt like I don't know how to say this without sounding negative, but it's uh it's almost like a manipulative thing to make it seem more epic. Right. Like I didn't I didn't get an epic fight out of this. Sure. You know what I mean? And there's like, oh my gosh, there's so much at stake. It almost felt like a manipulative kind of thing where it, it's a little heavy-handed maybe because we shouldn't be surprised that obi-wan is able to get one over on morello evil yeah but i mean it's it's just the stakes weren't didn't feel high enough to warrant that kind of an epic score ah that's interesting if that makes sense because they set it up as i mean one of the interesting things for me is that dooku tells everyone before they go in some of you are just gonna die in there you know not everyone's gonna make it out so I felt like it did a pretty good, almost too good a job of setting up the stakes because part of me was wondering back at the start, why would you even agree to take this challenge in the first place? You know, why are so many of the top bounty hunters in the galaxy agreeing to a challenge where, you know, Dooku was saying only five of you are going to survive. Um, And I guess the idea is that they're going to get paid handsomely enough. And, you know, Dooku says that as well. You'll be paid very handsomely, but it was almost like they needed to emphasize much more how grand the prize was going to be, how big the you know the war chest was going to be that they would win at the end. Because it was, <laughs> it seemed like a terrifying thing to get put into, even if you were a top bounty hunter. And maybe part of it is that to be a bounty hunter, it's almost like you know to be a I guess a cage fighter. We've, this is something we, we've talked about in our on our off time because we're both fans of uh, MMA. But to be a a fighter who climbs into a cage with another fighter who's trying to hurt them. You have to be a little bit crazy and have a belief in your own ability that, you know, I mean, in the end, 
there's a winner and a loser so someone has to lose and these these nine guys and girls go in here knowing that four of them are going to die and i guess they will just have this hardcore belief in their own ability that it's not going to be them yeah and that's what it is right it's confidence but it's still like i guess that's i don't know yeah i've just gone a long way off your we were talking about the stakes in that particular morale eval versus everyone fight and i've gone off on this tangent i mean it's an interesting point of view from the other bounty hunters point of view but we know obi-wan survives and i guess that maybe that's part of it is that the music feeling so epic if this was the first we'd ever met this person, right. then yeah, there might be some stakes. But since we know it's Obi-Wan, and I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, that takes a lot of the, I guess, the drama out of a lot of, of these episodes like this. But it's more about like, how does it happen? You know, it's not what happens, it's how it happens, right? So in a way, I mean, I, I kind of feel like it was just a little heavy handed. It wasn't bad or anything like that. And it wasn't even super distracting. But I remember thinking, eh, this is a little... A little overdoing it, but hey. Hey, fair enough, Robbie. It hits you how it hits you. Yeah, and here's the here's the other thing about that whole issue that I have with this part is that they said they needed five. Well, they had five. Right. So, what's with the continued danger? Why continue with this whole charade at this point? Right. You've got your team. I think the last part was supposed to choose the leader, right? Is that was that the idea? But I get what you're saying. I just figured that. Oh, I guess the last one is to find which one is going to be the leader. I don't know. That was my take on it anyway. <laughs> still a little funny to me where i was kind of like um sure. why are we still doing this you've got your yeah. team yeah because it's specifically set up at the start and so as they fall you're sort of counting how many are left right right and which ones are falling along the way is sort of interesting and also interesting robbie master yoda in this episode he flat out tells anakin that anakin can be unpredictable and dangerous not just to his enemies but even to his friends and this is something that has maybe been a thought that, you know, we've had. And I mean, it's been obvious on screen, but this is the first time someone's actually said that straight to him, isn't it? And pointed that out straight to Anakin and maybe given Anakin a bit of a check on this part of the, you know, the way he does things, let's say. Yeah. And I mean, I really enjoy that scene because you can see those seeds of doubt and anger yeah. and all of those things on Anakin's face. But I really appreciate Yoda being so upfront, like immediately. Sure. Like, it's like, there's a sorrow there that I, I appreciated, you know, that you're a loose cannon. You're, you're one of those guys that we, we just kind of have to keep an eye on, but it was unfair for us to do this to you. I really just, I don't know. I like it. And there's still that part of me that it's a, it's completely it's 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 just a completely ridiculous thought. All right, bring it on, Robbie. You know how, as a kid, sometimes you watch him. Well, at least I did. It's a childish thought that somehow watching it again might make things turn out a little differently. Right? Because you don't really understand the concept of you know this is what it is and there's no changing sure. it, right? But there's still that part where when Yoda says that to him, there's that part where it's like. Yeah, maybe Anakin will not turn to the dark side. And it, I feel like there's such a a small, tiny little thread that could have changed the whole thing, the whole story. And this is one of those moments where you, if Anakin may have taken what he said to, to heart and kind of delved into it and said, yes, I'm a loose cannon. Yes, I'm dangerous, you know, sometimes to my friends, not only to my enemies, but he trusts me enough to tell me this sure. and to be apologetic for it. He respects me enough to be apologetic for it. And that's one of those things where it's kind of heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. It's just one of those things where, as a fan of this series, there's all those little, 
well, if only this had happened, then this could have turned out differently. And this is one of those moments where I feel like if somebody would have had a talk with Anakin before rushing off to the Emperor, I mean, who knows what might have happened. I mean, and that's the beauty of Star Wars, right? There's all of those, just, you tweak one little thing and you kind of think about what effect that might have on the future, you know? Sure. So, I don't know. I just, I love that scene just because of all the doubts that it kind of puts in his head, but all the doubts and things that it puts in our head, too. Sure, and you really feel like you can't blame. I mean, I shouldn't, I mean, I felt like I couldn't blame Anakin for being as angry as he was for not having been told, you know, about what was going on with Obi-Wan, about how the Jedi Council, who was supposed to have his back, just kind of made him a pawn in their game. But also the fact that Master Yoda completely laid it out that, you know, he thought that Anakin could be unpredictable and dangerous. And we know that, you know, Obi-Wan has talked before to, I think, to Master Yoda, wasn't it? About how Anakin is, you know, headstrong and, you know, he's not (laughs) a guy that's easy to keep in line and so it just makes it all the less organic to me to the way the characters behave and to the things the characters think that they made that decision in the first place you know that they let Anakin who is this maverick this unpredictable dangerous guy if you don't tell that guy what's going on you can't be surprised when he flies off and does his own thing and almost kills Obi-Wan and almost kills everyone in that previous episode, you know? So while I really enjoyed that scene as a scene in and of itself, I felt like as part of the arc, it kind of hurts the arc and it brings up that, you know, that issue that I, you know, that I had from the start about how it doesn't really make any sense on a fundamental level that they didn't tell Anakin. But another point of view, though, to that is that that whole Anakin and Ahsoka fighting them you know, on that the, the that mountainside or whatever you want to call sure. it, maybe that endeared Cad Bane to him, made him trust him more, a little more. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to look at it. But speaking of that, though, I guess the trust and, and all that stuff and kind of all of that. Isn't it interesting that Dooku almost, you get the feeling that Dooku kind of suspects something about yeah. Hardeen, right? Yeah. And then immediately the next scene, he's like, well, maybe he should lead them or whatever. It's almost like he's got this idea that that's not who he says he is. Sure. You know, that, that it may be someone, you know, but then you get the feeling that he almost just kind of buys into it and thinks he's awesome Then in the next shot. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Dooku is super interesting in this episode. Even the way that he sort of turns on Morello Ival, who has, you know, up until this episode, Morello Ival has felt like some kind of kingpin. And in this episode, you realize he's really just, you know, another stooge. So... It's fun to see the way that Dooku kind of plays with Moralu Ival's expectations as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was an intriguing thing to think about whether Dooku sensed something. Because, I mean, is there a disturbance in the Force? Or I guess Obi-Wan has switched himself off from the Force to play this box game, you know, because he never uses the Force anywhere in the box. So maybe that also helps him stay hidden from Dooku. You know, Dooku can't feel any disturbance in the Force because Obi-Wan never uses it. I don't know. But yeah, that was an interesting element of the episode too. And speaking of interesting elements of the episode, Robbie, let's talk about our favorite shots. What was your favorite shot of the box? Well, it's actually kind of simple. It's in the uh, in that last area when they're standing up on the platform and they're looking down as those panels open up and the emitters are kind of right. coming out of the bottom. I just like the way that that looked. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple, but I remember I played that back twice just because I like the way it looked. And I don't know if it's a weird, uh, if that's one of those things, it's kind of like an oddly satisfying thing that I, you know, that I liked, but I just liked the way that it looked. So uh, that got my number one. 
it sort of unfolds, right? It starts on one side as the it's almost like dominoes, watching dominoes fall, yeah. except they're flipping up instead of falling, right. and then right. it keeps on going and it keeps on going. And at that point, you're going, "What even are these things? Are they guns?" Or, I mean, I didn't know what they were. You probably knew because you remember the episode, but I didn't know what they were. I'm thinking. I don't know what these are, but there are a lot of them, and they don't look friendly. So, yeah, that was a, definitely a fun shot. For me, it was in the, what are we going to call that, the second level, the lightsabers on extending horizontal columns. I don't know what that even was, but there's a funny moment just before Cad Bane starts to follow Obi-Wan out of that second level with a wee Quay bounty hunter, Kira Swan, who was the two-time winner of the Obsidian Sphere, Robbie. I don't know if you know that, but oh, yeah. you know that's what Dooku announced, but she appears to be about to attack Cad Bane like she's sneaking up on him in the middle of all of this peril. She somehow decides that's the time to try and attack Cad Bane, but then of course, that's when Kira Swan goes out. She ends up getting mashed just as she's standing behind him. And he doesn't even appear to notice. So I just thought that was a fun moment, almost a moment of levity right there in the middle of a tense scene. And so that was my favorite shot of the box, Robbie. And so before we bring this one for a landing, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So after your third ever watch of the box, how did you like it? And where does it sit on that four-star Robbie scale? You know, it's weird. I was I was going to give this one a three to just be recommended. But then the more that I think about the scene with Yoda and Anakin, I feel like I got to give it a little more because I love, you know me, I love character and I love the kind of things that scenes like that make you think. So I'm going to bump this up to a three and a quarter out of four. Yeah, that's pretty strong, Robbie. I think that's roughly equivalent to a seven, and that's what I'm giving it. I'm giving it a seven yellow lightsaber dagger things extending on whatever that thing was, that level was. And that's mission accomplished for season four, episode 17, The Box. So, Robbie, if the troops out there want to let us know how much they enjoyed The Box or didn't enjoy The Box, what are our communications channels? We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And, of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 84th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's Season 4, Episode 18, Crisis on Naboo. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie. And we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing this show on iTunes or any other podcast platform and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.